I'm listening for emotion as well, you know, because the things that really do um, affect us are the things that we've attached emotion to. So, you know, it could be really a really traumatic event in someone's life that, you know, um, that changed them or, you know, caused an issue or whatnot, but really so many small, small things that if you're just describing them to someone, they'd never really think that that would affect, you know, anything. But once you delve into the emotions of, of the situation and of the memory, um, you know, that's really where you can gain the understanding. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week I have a very special guest, a young woman by the name of Lily Hay. Now, this beautiful soul is a certified hypnotherapist and rapid transformational therapy practitioner. She works from her office in Noosa. Uh, She was born and bred on the Sunshine Coast, and she now has clients all over Australia and even some from around the world. I think what's so beautiful about this woman is she is passionate about helping women overcome their limiting beliefs and step into their best life possible. And I dare say she would add men into that because she started seeing a couple of men as well. Now, I think what's so beautiful about Lily is this soul went through a massive period of her life in her teenage years with an eating disorder. And she saw firsthand the life-changing benefits of things like hypnotherapy. And it's been her passion ever since to help others using this incredible technique You know, they say there's no accident what we go through in order to end up teaching what we most need to and love to do, especially when we've had a beautiful transformation ourselves. And as you hear her story, you will see exactly why she went down this path. She does specialize in eating disorders, body image, self-esteem, troubles, anxieties, motivation, and confidence. So if you are lacking or questioning any of those areas, I think you're going to love this podcast. Lily is only 24 years of age, and it's almost like she's lived a big life already. Her wisdom is so beautiful. Her insights are so precious. And I really encourage you, those of you with younger daughters and hopefully sons, that you get them to hear this woman's voice. There is something about being told by us older souls, uh, more mature souls, um, how to do life and what it means. But when you can identify with someone of your own age or someone just a little bit older than you, then this could certainly have a really good insight and reaction and certainly hopefully a resounding effect for someone if you think they're going through a tough time. Now, I would love to say to you, mama bears and papa bears listening to this, that, you know, I also would encourage you to post your comments and feedbacks in the Facebook group on Kim Morrison Training and also my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. I'd love to hear your feedback around this one. And I'd also love to know what you thought of this remarkable young woman. Remember to head over to 28.com, the word 20, the number 8.com, if you're keen to come to a live event with me where we also get to block and, uh, or not even block, help knock down those blockages that have been holding you back from living your best life. And, you know, mothers and daughters have come to this beautiful essential self-care weekend. I've had amazing, beautiful um, parents Uh, sisters come to this girls weekends away I've had couples attend this weekend and I have to say I'm incredibly proud that they are life-changing and a lot of the things that we talk about in today's podcast are certainly a lot of the things of course being a hypnotherapist and practitioner myself I absolutely adore what Lily is talking about and just love bringing it to life so that you yourself may experience it for you firsthand And as Lily says, when we make ourselves a priority, when we put self-care at the top of the list for us, we have absolutely every ability to then create a wonderful embedding and pro 
programming with our children. We can help instigate change by being the example. And we get to actually create a life of love and awareness and acceptance when we ourselves do the work. So I know you're going to enjoy this week's self-love podcast. Make sure you sit back or if you're out walking or driving, I know you're going to get some beautiful ahas, but I want to hear them. And thanks so much to all of you for your direct messages, your private messages, your feedback, and the five-star rating that you give me on iTunes. I don't do this for all of those accolades, but when I hear it, it actually inspires me to do even more and do even greater because I realize then it's not just one person listening to the show like my mom or uh, it's not just one person I'm affecting. I have no idea until I get your messages just how beautiful a podcast like the self-love podcast can be and the difference it can make. Take care guys and be kind. Well, what an absolute honor and a treat to bring with you the super amazing, gorgeous young woman, the amazing Lily Hay. I just want to say welcome to the self-love podcast, you darling soul. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. <laughs> you know, it's a really cool story that you have. It's, mm. there's, there's been challenges, there's been struggle, there's been, you know, for want of a better word, times when you've had quite dark moments. And yeah. for our beautiful listener to appreciate your 24 years on this planet, mm. how about you give us a little brief brief insight as to your story, maybe where you've got to, and then we'll dive deeper into it as we go along. But could you tell the listener, who is Lily Hay? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose to say who Lily Hay is, you know, I'm a sum of my, of my, of my story, I suppose. And my story is that, you know, growing up, I, I always felt um, these feelings of just not being enough, I suppose. I never felt as though I was good enough. I always felt really uncomfortable in in myself. And in my later years, um, this, you know, manifested into anorexia. Um, and, you know, I sort of dipped in and out of it um, throughout my uh, teenage years. And, and then it, it got to a point where it was uh, quite severe. Um, and, you know, I was doing all, all the, all the right things in quotation marks, I guess, um, that I thought, you know, I was seeing psychologists. I actually think I went through about four psychologists. Um, maybe I didn't gel with them very much. Um, but I, it, I felt like I was doing all the right things, but I was just not getting rid of this eating disorder. It wasn't going away. Um, you know, the coping skills and whatnot from psychologists were really helpful, but, I felt like I never really got to the core of it. Um, and then uh, a friend of my mum's suggested hypnotherapy. And I think by that time I was so fed up with my life, really. That's, you know, I was so fed up with my life um, that I thought, you know, why not? Um, I'm willing to try anything. And I think probably I thought it would be a bit of a quick fix. I'd go in there, get hypnotised and come out better. Um, but as we know, you know, there's no quick fixes in life, but it really was the thing that changed my life and got me into recovery, which was, uh, yeah, the, the best thing I've ever done. So thinking of that and realizing that there are tools and skills out there, uh, I find it fascinating that psychology and psychologists, and this is no disrespect to them, that they would not embrace this kind of work and yeah. do not actually see the power. I'm sure there's many that do. But talk to me about what you think was lacking from a psychology point of view for a problem that really did seem to stem from not feeling good enough. What was the problem that you can see that now is? Yeah, I feel like we, we one, you know, you, you'd get in there, you'd talk about how your week has been and that takes half an hour and then, you know, you get into a little bit, a little bit deeper and that's another half an hour and then your session's up and you feel like you've never really gotten anywhere with the session. I always felt like at the end of any psychologist appointment, they'd be like, okay, that's something that we're going to work on next week. And I never really feel like we got very deep with it. Um, and I suppose we never really went back into 
into childhood, into into primary school where, you know, so many things happen, um, you know, we're so impressionable, we're like sponges at that age. So I feel like they were just trying to deal with, with the issue on the surface and we never really got that deep into it. Um, and, I, and from my opinion, you can never really fix an issue unless you fully understand it and you really understand exactly how, why, where and when it began. You know, you can't ever really fix it. And I, so I think that's probably what was lacking is that I never, just never got to the core of it. I think it's, you've just touched on such an important part of personal growth development in a work and all the things that all of us do on a daily basis that are attracted to a podcast like this or to people like yourself or to actual wanting to evolve and become a better version or the best version of ourselves or to continually up-level or to think that who we are actually matters and it contributes to society and this planet. As a young woman, knowing then that these people with four, five, six years of university and Mm. knowledge, so is knowledge the key or are you suggesting to me that having insight into who you are when you were in that sponge-like state is actually what gives you more clarity and understanding. I'm just curious why these guys yeah. don't go there. I, I believe so, yeah. And from, and from all my clients, it's not until they really understand the issue in its entirety, until they you know, understand the things that affected them when they were so young that they would never have thought affected them. Um, until they really fully grasp that, um, I don't, I don't believe that any issue can really truly be solved. Um, because, you know, so much change comes from awareness and absolutely, you know, the knowledge and, and everything is so important, but I don't really think any of that can be utilized until you first really fully understand the issue. And it's also a relatability thing too. You know, I feel like, um, you know, the, the hypnotherapist that I ended up going and seeing, who was also a psychotherapist, he was a man actually, which I never thought that I would, you know, relate to someone so much, but he, he got me, he understood me. He tried to really get to know me and my story. And that's what I try and do with all of my clients as well. Really understand them. Um, because everyone is different. Um, so yeah, to really under understand the person and then to help them understand themselves as well. I notice myself, and you're probably the same with the clients that I take the time and have a really, you know, I don't know if you can get a, a full story in one hour out of somebody. And that's why mm. I probably love the full eight hour breakthrough sessions that I do. I'm sure that's why you like the extended uh, clients yeah. taking the time. What's important to you as you listen to somebody telling you their story? Are you listening for key insights? Are you listening for moments like you just said that they weren't Mm. even aware that was there? Yeah, and I'm listening for emotion as well, you know, because the things that really do um, affect us are the things that we've attached emotion to. So, you know, it could be really a really traumatic event in someone's life that, you know, um, that changed them or, you know, caused an issue or whatnot. But really so many small, small things that if you're just describing them to someone, they'd never really think that that would affect, you know, anything. But once you delve into the emotions of of the situation and of the memory, um you know, that's really where you can gain the understanding. So I'm definitely listening for key words, um, you know, that my clients are saying, but also really um, tapping into how they were feeling at that time. Well, I think that's a really valid point, considering Mm. emotions drive behavior. Yeah. And we know that when we're little, we don't have the intellect to put perhaps a more broader or lighter meaning into that emotional event when we're little and therefore we have it mean something which then calibrates into our neurology which then calibrates further into Mm -hmm. personality and then we behave or act on those could you explain to us then in your journey Mm. did you would you mind sharing what your insights were for you because anorexia is a pretty big deal and orders on all levels are, I would love you to explain to us if you think they're psychological issues, 
and then mm-hmm. talk to us about you, put it into relativity in your story and how you discovered the root cause or the problems that really were at the core of what you were really working through. Yeah, absolutely. And and I remember, you know, one of the first uh, things that uh, the hypnotherapist that I went and saw, he said, um, an eating disorder is never just an eating disorder. You know, you don't have an eating disorder. And I was so confused by that because I was like, well, I definitely do. My my eating is very disordered. Um, but now, obviously, I fully understand that, that we needed to delve more into that. Um, but really, my eating disorder was a culmination of a few of a few things. So growing up, I um, I was I had all these funny habits So I would have to, um, and you know, my family and I sort of made light of it when I was younger as like, these were just my funny habits. Um, so I would have to, you know, close all the drawers in the house. I would have to, um, check under, check under my bed, um, you know, a certain amount of times and do all these, you know, funny habits. Um, and so that was really the only sign of it when I was younger, that there was this control thing. Um, and then as I, you know, go th- went through school and whatnot and, and so much of it was, you know, comparison between girls um, in school, you know, our, our looks and whatnot and, and, you know, certain comments from, from kids who, who don't mean it in any way but, you know, at the time you take it on to mean something. And then when it was, you know, when the eating disorder came about, it was really me trying to control the only thing that I thought I could control at that time. I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I felt like everyone else had a really clear picture in their minds of what they wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't know how. And so all of these sort of culmination of things really, um, you know, uh, attached onto me and, you know, attached onto my psyche. And I looked to control the only thing that I thought I could control in this life, which was my body. And, you know, going through college and studying something that I didn't necessarily even want to study or think that it was, you know, worthwhile, but I thought I just had to sort of do it because that's, you know, what you do after school. Uh, You go and you, you know, you go to uni, um, you get a degree and then you go out into the workforce. I felt so out of control with everything in my life that yeah, I looked to control the only thing I thought that I could. And so what did you go on to uni? I psychology. Oh, you did? Yeah. You went on to do psychology. Well, that's interesting in itself. <laughs> yeah, it felt, it felt really, um, I suppose at the time, like I was in, I was seeing psychologists, so I thought it was the only way that you could help people. But it really just sort of hit me at one stage. I, I felt really out of alignment with with my I suppose with myself my values because that didn't help me and studying it just felt like I was really going against myself yeah that really is interesting and they say we teach what we most need to learn Mm -hmm. so how long were you at uni before you went you know what this isn't helping me it's not me it's not what I want to do what did you do then yeah so it was about it was a could have been three years um could have been yeah three years and then I I deferred um I moved back in with my parents which was a really humbling (laughs) uh, thing to do and then I went traveling I went traveling throughout Asia um for about four months I came home I got a job in a cafe started managing a cafe for about a year and I was studying hypnotherapy uh, that whole time. So it was a real, real journey. Talk um, to me how you went from, like, where, what was the key thing? What was the, the, the motivation that you went, that's it, I'm going to do hypno? What was that? I, I think it just, and I, I've thought about this a bit. I don't know why it took me so long to get to a place where I I finally, it finally clicked for me that I should be, you know, doing the thing that helped me. But I just listened to a podcast one day with Marissa Peer, who's um, the woman that um, created the the method of hypnotherapy that I practice, which is rapid transformational therapy. 
And it just clicked in that moment that this is what I need to be doing. I know it helped me. I know the impacts that it had on me. I know that this is how I'm going to going to have my impact. And throughout my eating disorder, I always knew it was like my sort of like my North star, my guiding light that one day I was going to use this and I was going to help people with, you know, similar issues or, um, you know, an eating disorder. I knew I was going to help people. And then I think just listening to that podcast at that time, it was like, I finally came home to myself. I was like, this is what I need to be doing. Duh. Kind of thing. <laughs> How long would you take to finish your psychology degree? How long did you have to go? Uh, two years or so, I think. And do you think you'll ever finish that to see and to understand fully the other side so that you can have the, the Northern star on what it is that does work? Mm, I, I'm, de- I would definitely be open to it. Mm. I, you know, I'm, such a um you know advocate for continual learning and for never being fully stuck in in your ways so absolutely I would consider it um just to sort of you know understand you know more that side of it I suppose I I don't know if I would ever you know fully practice it but definitely would consider learning more about it what I've noticed with some of the I've got another lady that I interviewed on my podcast beautiful Mm. Lisa Thompson who was a psychologist for 10 years and worked in the community and did a lot of work. And it was when she did NLP and hypnotherapy that she completely gave that away and realized this was the key that was missing for her. And what I love about that is, and I said to her, you know, talk about the fact that you have this degree, say that you've got it, because for some people, they really need to know Mm. that you have this scientific or logical or left brain approach to understanding um, yeah. what an academic would look at. And I guess that's something that I've thought to myself that I don't have that degree, but mm. I do believe that a lot of us have the degree in life and the yeah. awareness of understanding our, our slip-ups, our hookups, our, um, some people would describe them as failures. I consider them more opportunities for learning, but you know, there's this whole world of people who seem to think you have to have this real high level of credibility to make a difference. Could you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the wins that you're getting since you've been a hypnotherapist? What are some, yeah. could you give us a story or some examples on how you've cut through years of where someone might go to psychologist to how you yeah. nailed it in, in a session or two? Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good point to touch on because definitely something that I've struggled with as well is, is not having that uni degree to back, to back me up, I suppose, to give to give myself more credibility, but I've, that's something I've really had to work on in the fact that, you know, I feel as though I'm the best, you know, I'm the best woman for the job kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. My clients, I'm so incredibly proud of all of them. I can honestly say that they're all really thriving. Um, I suppose in terms of, you know, the, the, the success stories that I love to talk about, um, one is uh, with a client of mine who was uh, struggling with bulimia uh, for for a few years, and we've had we've had two sessions now, um, and you know that's it, bulimia is not a thing for her anymore because she was able to fully understand it, um, and you know really sort of um, upgrade that self worth, um, and so yeah, she's doing absolutely incredible. Um, I've had so many clients with anxiety, um, you know, that have come to me now and said, you know, my whole life has changed. My relationships are so much better because, you know, this, this thing, this anxiety that was such a sort of a mystery to them is now so, is now so clear to them. Um, I have, I have a client who um, we worked on, you know, just some self-worth stuff and some self-belief stuff and her business is huge now. <laughs> it's amazing. Her business is doing better than ever. Um, or oh, another client of mine, sorry, I, once I get on a roll, it's kind of hard to stop. But we worked on basically healthy relationships and I've had this this kind of session a few uh, few times now and this particular girl is now, 
um, just in the happiest relationship. They're so cute. It's so beautiful to see. Um, so I suppose, you know, the most, the most successful stories that I have with clients are, um, you know, the ones where they were feeling, you know, so, so unsettled in their life, so uncomfortable in, in a certain way. And now they just feel free, you know, kind of like I was able to give them relief. And that's such, uh, such an incredible thing for me to see. Whenever I ask people, what are your highest values? What are the things you value the most? The amount of times I hear happiness or peace or mm. harmony in their top three to five values and yet their life isn't aligned to that. Yeah. I think what I've found that hypnotherapy has done for me personally has taught me how to align myself with what's mm -hmm. important to me and to accept that sometimes, depending on where you're at in your life, your values can change hierarchy. Is yeah. that something you'd agree with? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually been sort of the theme, I suppose, of my life for the last few months is really um, becoming more and more in alignment with my business and with, you know, sort of, um, you know, practicing what, what you preach, although I, I really try not to preach anything to anyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely becoming aligned in alignment with, with what I do. And, and my purpose has been a huge thing for me. And I think um, my business in itself somehow, you know, the universe is funny, has, you know, really flourished once I began to fully be in alignment with it. Um, so it's, it's pretty incredible the way that that works. I'm, I'm not sure I fully understand it yet. <laughs> I want to ask you something that a lot of therapists, <laughs> many people like yourself are mm. amazing. They get through something personal. They then go out and study and learn the thing that helped them the most so that they can do the yeah. same for others. But one of the biggest hangups I seem to see in my clients or in women that attend my workshops and men for that matter is that they start doing this and then there's this massive hang up on putting a value, a charge, money mm. on this work because a lot of people say that money is not important to them or that they do it for love. But we that without a business flourishing and being profitable and actually making a difference in people's lives and charging for what you're worth is actually the key to success. It's yep. one of the biggest keys is to get over that block. How have you managed to ascertain your love of money or earning money? How have you done that? Yeah, hard. It was very hard to do that for me. I had a huge hang up with it because I always – I always saw um, helping people as something that you should just do out of the kindness of your heart. And I felt as though what I was doing in my business was simply helping people. And so I really struggled, you know, um, to correlate that into business and charging. And I would just give discounts, you know, left, right and centre. <laughs> um, and then I, my, my partner is in finance and so he's really actually helped me come to the understanding that what you're doing is, is meaningful, it's impactful and it's worthwhile. And one, if people, which is something that I've actually found, the people that I have given discounts to um, are the ones that actually aren't as committed to the, um, to the, to the process because they haven't had that, you know, they haven't put that value into it. And the people that obviously charge, you know, full price, they've put that into, into my service and so they're fully committed to it and they always get the best results. So that's something that's been a huge realisation for me. And then also realising that if this is what I want to be doing, which it absolutely is, I also need to, you know, pay rent. <laughs> I need to, you know, have, you know, three meals a day. And so if I want to keep helping people in the way that I really feel I am, I do need to be charging and I need to be charging what I'm worth. Um, so it's been hard for me to do that. It's been really hard for me to reconcile with that. And I completely understand why people struggle with it. And to be honest, I do still struggle with it, but it's definitely something that um, I'm finding that I'm overcoming um, and also just by, you know, speaking with women like you and other incredible women in business who are charging what they're worth. It's, it's a huge inspiration. 
It's something that I can honestly say it's taken a lot of years to master, if that's Mm. the right word. And now because of the shifts I see in the work that I do, the books that I write, and realizing that it's not about me being money hungry or taking or robbing or stealing or, and that if people Mm. have an association to the prices you're charging, they're just not your people. Because we all know when we value something, it's a really cool thing. And when we have that energetic resourceful exchange and a thing called cash or money, then there's a equal and a beautiful opportunity for us to actually embrace it for what it is. Yeah. I say this to you that most people that come to you are actually very abundant. They're abundant either in their health or their family, or they've mm. got some area of abundance in their worth, their intellect. They may not believe it. They may not be aware of it. But it's not until you say to someone, I'm going to give you a life-threatening illness that unfortunately you're not going to be here within the next year. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to rip your whole family away from you. You're going to be, you know, on your own because there's going to be something awful that happens and you're by yourself. I don't know. Whatever the the tragedy is or the circumstances, people don't realize how wealthy and abundant they are until they lose what they actually take for granted. Yeah. So I want to say this to you and to all our listeners that we all know when we put our hard-earned money into something to grow and evolve and to support us, it's actually a gift and investment into our own health and well-being and self-worth. And when someone does the same to us, if we discount or rob them of that opportunity, as you said yourself, those that don't pay the full price don't actually get the full magnificence of that experience. There's a real reason for that. And it's a duality. And it's really important as a therapist, as a mom, as a dad, as a leader in a company, as a student or who's learning, whatever it is that you're going to go out in the world and do, it's really important that part of valuing yourself and part of being a leader is to honor yourself financially. So I just, I want to say to you, thank you for being so honest and <laughs> hopefully yeah. you'll get it very, very soon, <laughs> just how important that is rather than yeah. writing you're in your 40s because you just realize that some people aren't your people. And if I could say to you that going uh, a client coming to you, their life is going to change. You've already said it. Their life changes. Their relationships are amazing. They no longer have bulimia. The money they're spending on getting through those issues or the cost emotionally by not doing this work and investing in yourself is actually far greater. And you can't put a price on what you're doing. Yeah, to hear that there is no way you could put an actual price on the gifts that you're offering, and I, I really want you to know that you're a powerful, beautiful young woman who is making a hell of a difference using her skills and experience to, in fact, impart change for those that hopefully don't have to go to the same levels. So, thank you for allowing me to talk about the value of money and being a therapist because most therapists have that thing where they thank you for that. (laughs) But it's powerful, and and then the more money you earn, the more you can create programs or take on a personal assistant to help you do your social media, or you can take on you give someone else a job and an opportunity. And it's something that I think we could all do with hearing, even. Uh, in the smallest possible way is to really value ourselves. And also, whilst we appreciate discounts, I think it's also really beautiful to know that when we do get offered a discount, that we still have the same energy as though we've paid in full and treat it in the same regard. Yeah. Most people in small businesses are really doing it tough. You know, they're really working hard. It's just a glorified hobby for a lot of people. And that's why 90% of businesses go out in the first five years because most of us don't have the ability to step up and into our value using money as the medium. So there you it's go. So true. I expect to see Lily Hay now, one of the <laughs> most sought-after hypnotherapists in the country. But, um, I mean, That's the dream. You already are doing it, my love. Oh, I just want to go you. back to um, 
this this disease, this this thing mm. that's not a problem, anorexia. Yeah. Going back now, looking back on it, and if you had a mum or a dad listening to this podcast going, wow, she's so articulate, she's so overcome it, and now she's using her experience to support others, mm. what would be your greatest advice to a caregiver, a parent, or a sibling, or someone watching someone go through this condition, anorexia, bulimia, whatever the eating disorder is? Mm. Yeah, one would be to take care of yourself, you know, too, because only now looking back can I fully and maybe not even fully grasp, you know, how hard my parents and my family had it. You know, they, mum used to say, you know, when you hurt, I hurt and, and I couldn't understand it. I was like, no, but I'm the one hurting. I'm the one going through it. And now I can, you know, I can completely understand how hard that would have been. So one, you need to be, you know, taking care of yourself because it's a huge thing to be taking care of someone who is going through that. Um, And so be kind to yourself too. And secondly, I suppose understanding that not one thing works for everyone. And so, you know, if, if you feel like you're doing all the right things in terms of psychology, in terms of, you know, the way that you're taking care of, to t- taking care of your loved one, understanding that there are other options and that there is a solution for everyone, whether it's hypnotherapy, whether it's, you know, whatever, there is, you know, a solution for everyone. And so to never give up, but to open, to open your mind to other options, uh, other possibilities um, for healing for, you know, uh, your loved one. And I suppose the biggest thing, you know, that you can give that you can give that person is you don't always need to be, um, you know, I suppose on them about it. You know, it is important to, you know, be looking for solutions and to be, and to be actively trying to source that, but to have times when you just kind of, you know, give it a break and, and give them, you know, just as much love as they, as they can take because they are really going through something that is all consuming, you know, an eating disorder is, I remember thinking, you know, in my mind, I'm literally thinking about this thing every five seconds. It's, it's that consuming. And so just to give them, I suppose, a, a break with, with just some, some time, you know, doing something that, you know, maybe will make them laugh or, or cause them a little bit of happiness. Um, that's probably my biggest advice that I can give you and, and, and to, to never give up and that there is a solution for everyone. I love that. And I'd really love to go a step before this now. Mm. You said a lot of this started as a young child and mm. beliefs. What else can we do as parents of children with young that are young how do we even prevent this occurring in the first place knowing that we can't control what other people say in the play yard knowing that we can't control your emotions and how you're going to respond and your personality and all the things that make you up as to why you react to that and someone else wouldn't is there something we can even do as a process of evolution before we even get to that level I believe so yeah working on that self-belief from as young as you possibly can, young as you possibly can. And that starts by, um, you know, you know, be the change that you wish to see in the world. So living your life in a way, because your kids will marry you, that shows that, you know, you love yourself. So, you know, even when your kids are young, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I look good today. I feel great today. I'm healthy. I'm strong. Um, and you know, when they're old enough to get them to say that to themselves, because once things start to get imprinted onto children, it's really hard to sort of then formulate the beliefs. So formulating those, that's those beliefs of self-worth and self-love are, is so important from such a young age. And it seems, you know, crazy to be doing that, you know, when they're, when they're so young, it's like, what are they even taking on? But they are taking on everything the amount of people that you know I deal with and we go back to when they're one two years old it does imprint on their subconscious and I know that's a lot of pressure as a parent to not you know 
stuff your children up, I suppose, by, you know, imprinting on their subconscious. But as long as you're really trying to work on those self-beliefs from a young age, that's super, super important. And also, you know, your self-talk and the way that you carry yourself in the world, your kids will mirror that. And so don't be talking about weight. Don't look at yourself and say, you know, oh, I'm, you know, this isn't good. This isn't good picking at, you know, your body or anything like that. Don't even discuss weight with, with your kids. I really don't think that it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary to discuss with anyone, you know, unless it's a real, you know, medical issue. I don't think that it's important. And yeah, I suppose just trying to fill them up with, you know, all of these incredible beliefs about themselves before they get into the school playground, because, you know, lots of stuff can happen there. Oh, thank you so much for highlighting that. And I think mm. for many women listening to this, it's also never too late to start to really be there. Yeah. Men and women. One yep. thing I've taught, and I'm so grateful, I've been so open to this work since I was 19, is the power of looking at yourself in the mirror and embracing all bits, mm. the wobbly bits, the not so perfect bits. I think what's harder in your generation compared to mine is we didn't have social media back then. We didn't have, yeah. you know, all this comparisonitis, a new word I just invented. Um, but <laughs> we have these issues so big, you know. I feel like social media has a lot to answer for, but I also think we can use it in a powerful way. Yeah. And I feel very privileged when I hear the way my daughter and my son, for that matter, talk about themselves. And I have to say I feel proud of myself because of the work that I've done continuously since I was exposed to personal development as a teenager. Mm. Is there anything in particular or any courses or anything that you'd recommend for people, no matter what age? Is there any books or things that you've read that really are quite profound and open to helping us get on this journey of self-love? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think anything um, Louise L. Hay is amazing. I'm the biggest fan. Um, and my mum actually got me reading them uh, from when I was young too and they've always had a really huge impact on me. Um, in terms of courses, um, you know, the, the course obviously that I studied was rapid transformational therapy and, and, you know, that was to become a therapist but also just learning more about that is is hugely important. And meditation you know is is a big thing for me and probably the thing um you know that that really got me on my self-love journey was meditation because you know when you're meditating and that can look like whatever you want it to look like really um you know meditation can be walking it can be surfing it can be anything where you're really just you know um focusing on one thing and so um meditation was huge for me um, the book, The Four Agreements is an amazing one. And I'm sure many of the people that you've, um, you've chatted to have suggested that one. Um, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it, it talks about, you know, love and fear and that there really is, um, you know, only one thing and we get to choose that and that's love. Um, and so there's so many courses out there and, but things that will, you know, some things will work amazingly for me and, and other things, you know, will work amazingly for you. So you've really just got to, you know, figure out the things that work for you the best. Um, and it's, it, it's trial and error for sure, but everyone's journey is, you know, an individual journey. Um, yeah, I suppose that's what I would say. Well, it's pretty beautiful and their books, all the books that you're talking about, I absolutely love. <laughs> I particularly love the the Four Agreements as well. It's mm. a really easy book to read and it's just something that allows you to feel at your absolute best and those Four Agreements are just quite profound. I did a podcast actually in the Self Love Podcast. Yeah. Um, it is one of the shows, I think it's show number 42 that I did um, where I debrief the whole show. So for any listener, if you want to go back and listen to my quickie on um, the, the, the Four Agreements, you'll see why I think it's also a very profound book and a great book because it's little. It's not It's big. little. It's yeah. easy to read, super yeah. profound. That's, yeah that's what I'm all about, you know, short, succinct, cut through it and, you know, get some really good wisdom. So that's yeah, an amazing one. 
Yeah, I love it. And I think all the people you're talking about, I think the key that I'm getting from you is that we are all a work in progress. We are Mm. all constantly growing and evolving. And I don't believe there's any accidents with what we've been given to to come through and challenge. Um, But, you know, before we go any further then, could you tell us what is your definition of self-love? I think self-love for me is synonymous with self-acceptance. So I think self-love can often be an overwhelming concept to, you know, love yourself every day. Some days you wake up and you just don't feel that good. Or sometimes, you know, you look look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I've seen better days. But it's it's the self-acceptance in those times that is important because maybe you don't always have absolute love for yourself in every moment. And I think that that's something that we need to become comfortable with accepting ourselves in the times where, you know, we're just feeling okay. You know, a a great, great quote that I love uh, by Marissa Peer is that the opposite of hate isn't love, it's indifference. And so you don't necessarily always have to love yourself every single second of the day. Sometimes you can just be indifferent to yourself and that's okay too. So I think what I would say is that self-love is self-acceptance. Yeah, I think you're dead right. Mm. And I love the fact that it's understanding that we love our dark, our shadow side. We understand that some days we're a great mum or some moments we're a a great mum. And then the many moments, hopefully we feel that, but there are some moments we don't feel like we're a great mum or a great dad. And and there's just moments. My daughter has a quote and she's probably, she'd probably say she took it from someone, but she said, it's just a bad moment, not a bad life. And I think that's a really cool way to look at things. And through the ebb and flow, we come through these things, don't we? We Absolutely. What's your thoughts then around if someone listening to this is going through a tough time, how would you describe the process of coming through that and how do they stay in love with themselves but accept themselves as well? Yeah, and I think that quote uh, by your daughter is amazing Mm -hmm. because, you know, one of the biggest things I say to people is never just to accept that this is the way that their life is, you know, never just to accept that, yeah, I'm just someone who doesn't feel that great about myself, you know. I think to never accept that and to have that guiding light within you, you know, in those tough times, I think the biggest thing, you know, to start that process is, is to know that you are just as everyone is deserving of help. Everyone is deserving of help and of living their best life. And that it's, it's absolutely available to everyone to live their best life. And there is a solution for everyone. And to know that you might not find your solution straight away but that it is out there and that there are people that are really not only willing but wanting to help you. And so it it might be a game of, you know, trial and error, but the outcome is so worth it. And And also to know that all of these things that we go through really do shape us into the best people that we can be and to use it as that you know, I always had, you know, my guiding light was that I'm going to use this one day and I'm going to help people with this. And as, you know, awful as that time was, I can, you know, on the other side of that now look back and say, there is no way I would change that. There's nothing about my past that I would change or alter in any way, because even though it was the worst and to all the people that are going out, that are, you know, going through something right now, I'm sure it feels like the worst thing you could possibly ever go through. And maybe it is the worst thing that you could possibly ever go through. But one day you will look back on this if you just keep persisting with, you know, your process and your progress, you will look back and think of it as, you know, there's no way you would change a thing about it because it is the thing that made you who you are. And so just always having that in the back of your mind, um, I, I feel is really helpful. I love it. Could you now tell us, sweetheart, based on all your experiences and your knowledge and as a qualified hypnotherapist, could you explain to us then, let's delve into what exactly it is so that if anyone's going, I'm really loving this, I'm really enjoying this conversation, then 
if you're telling me I could heal something like bulimia in two sessions, yeah. I want to know a little bit more about it. What is this yeah. magical formula? Could you tell <laughs> us what hypno is, please, sweetheart? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. So hypnotherapy in its essence, you know, as, as just hypnotherapy is um, getting you into a state where you are very relaxed. So your subconscious mind is able to come to the surface and you're in a suggestible state. So much more than just us talking consciously, you take things in a lot more. I always say like lotion on dry skin, it just sinks in so much more. And then from that state, there comes the suggestion part of hypnotherapy where you really do accept these suggestions. And that's a lot of hypnotherapy is just that induction and suggestion. Um, but with the, the form of hypnotherapy that I practice, which is rapid transformational therapy, hypnotherapy is really just the vehicle and the means that we use to get you into that really open and relaxed state where we're able to then, um, you know, figure out where this issue began. And in hypnosis, you're really able to do that so easily because our subconscious mind really does remember every single thing that it has ever impacted us. It just does. And consciously, we don't really, we don't know that or remember that because, you know, life is happening. But when you're in that, sub, you know, subconscious state, everything just becomes a lot more clear. Um, and so really once we tap into those memories and things that have affected you that probably you would never have thought affected you, we then use psychotherapy techniques like cognitive behavioral therapy and NLP to really challenge those beliefs, challenge those patterns, and then upgrade them and, and really um, make them age appropriate because a lot of things that do cause such an impact on us happen when we're so young and then we take it through to the rest of our lives and it's just not necessary anymore. So by really challenging the, the beliefs and the patterns of the things that have affected you the most, it has such an incredible domino effect on the issue itself. Um, and then, you know, doing inner child work as well in hypnosis is so, so powerful. Um, and then a big part of what I do is towards the end of all of my sessions, I create a hypnotic recording for uh, my clients and it's a challenge for them to then listen to this recording every day for 21 days. And that's what really is going to rewire those neural pathways and, and make those, those changes that we make in the session um, permanent. So, and, you know, sometimes people only need one session, but, you know, others need, you know, two, three, whatever it is. And everyone's journey is individual um, and there's no right or wrong, but, you know, that's really the gist of, of hypnosis. And I suppose the way that I always, you know, explain it best is that everyone is born a blank canvas. So, you know, we, we come out, you know, and we're crying and we expect someone to come and help us because we believe that we are worthy of that. You know, toddlers run around fully naked and they, they don't have a care in the world. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, certain things get Im imprinted upon us and we, and we take it as, you know, as fact and actuality and that can then, you know, turn into specific issues. So, Really, once we dive into those things that have affected us most, um, it has a huge, huge impact. Yeah. And moving forward, when you can yeah. limiting emotions or beliefs or those feelings of what you thought were true, and really any truth that we think really, truly happened is actually just our perspective of what we thought really happened. Mm, yeah. um, I find that side of it fascinating because when you unravel the truth or loosen the grip on what we actually think was true and there's possibility there's another way of looking at it or it could be reframed or it could be maybe it didn't happen the way you thought, you just meant it in that way. Yeah. That I find that quite um I don't know, mind-blowing because yeah. then it has everything is up for grabs. You know, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. I really appreciate what you're saying and yeah. probably because I love the work as well. It's, it's like to hear someone else with such passion and I think it's really beautiful yeah. to hear someone like yourself who's used a really profound, quite extreme disease or disorder and mm. then actually used that as your platform 
And I've found that most people that go through struggle that are really destined to do great things hear a podcast like this, read a certain book or notice there's a certain thing that someone says and it just seems to sit when they're ready. And the yeah. Start getting that little bit of clarity. It's almost like it's a drug. You can, you've got no option but to follow it because yeah. it's your calling. And I just want to say to you, you know, well done. And cool. and I'm just so excited for what else you've got to come. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, sweetheart. It's an honor to speak to you. Tell me, what who is your specialist client then? If someone's listening to this and they're like, mm. I want to see Lily. Like, yeah. Who do you really love to specialize working with? Yeah. So it's changed and evolved. When I first started my business, I think I thought that primarily I would work with eating disorders. Um, But now that I've really gotten into it more, um, you know, I definitely still work with eating disorders and it's, I love to do that. But really any woman that is feeling, and and men, to be honest, I've I've worked with a few men and, and that's, you know, amazing too. I love that. But I suppose women sort of connect with me more. Um, any woman that's really feeling uncomfortable within herself for any reason. So if it's body image, if it's, if it's confidence, if it's, you know, um, relationships, self-esteem, really anything where women are feeling uncomfortable within themselves, I want to work with them. Um, so <laughs> and it's just my favorite thing in the whole world to see a woman who is uncomfortable within herself feeling like she's not, you know, living out her, her potential and then to see her come out the other end feeling like she can do anything. Um, it's the most fulfilling thing in the world and I feel so privileged and honoured that, you know, all of my clients, um, you know, put that trust into me. Um, it's, it's an amazing feeling. So I would say, you know, yeah, really anything that is holding women back in, in terms of, you know, their beliefs about themselves, um, I want to see them and I want to help them. And I'm assuming you little Sunshine Coast born and bred human you, yeah. Um, yeah. that people can do this from anywhere around the world via yeah. Zoom and things like that. Is that right? Yeah, that's been an amazing thing. I, I thought, you know, when I started my business, it would mostly be in-person sessions, but probably 80% of my business is is people all over Australia and a few, um, you know, across the other side of the world now, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, Zoom sessions are just as good and sometimes people actually like them even more because you get to do it from your bed where you're comfortable and where you can easily relax and just, you know, chuck the laptop next to you, put some headphones in and, and get into it. So it's I'm so incredibly grateful that I can do my work, um, you know, virtually, which is never something that I thought I would be doing. Tell us how we first met. Tell us the story of when you first, yeah, let's hear that little one. I love the story. Yeah. So the first time I, you know, met or saw Kim was actually at my year 11 camp where you spoke to all of us because year 11 camp is sort of the one where they get you all emotional and cry and, you know, uplift you and, and you were the one to do that for us. Um, and, you know, an incredible friend of mine um, was really close to you at the time and I remember her, her uh, talking lots about you and then somehow I, I came across your Instagram and I was like, hey, I'm, I remember that lady from year 11 camp. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it amazing, the I circle know. of life and how much yeah. I really love to see. I love year 11s. I love high school kids, young yeah. people. I love seeing their potential and, you know, where they can take their lives. And I just, yeah, that camp was pretty special. And I talked special. predominantly there about personalities and just how different we are and Even that from a perspective now of understanding that our personality doesn't necessarily make us and we can adapt into whoever we want to be with some pretty good deep core values that make us up. I believe we do come into this world with a certain amount of DNA that's already pre-shaped 
even though we're a clean slate. There's, and the only way I can say that, my love, is because when you have more than one child, you see it instantly. Mm. The same rules, the same values, the same parents, the same home, the same beliefs, all of those things, and yet have a very different outcome. And I put that down to that genetic coding, that soul imprinting that they've chosen to come into this world this time with these certain rules or lessons or beliefs or values that are going to help them evolve yeah. If you could come from a really big picture perspective, what would be your wish for all people? What would be your ultimate dream, um, knowing what's possible, but also appreciating that your struggles are who and what makes you? What is your dream then around humanity, particularly at a time when we've been in lockdowns and social distancing, yeah. all of that? I'd love to hear a young person's view on what you believe is possible. Yeah, I think... The biggest thing that I've I've taken away from from my story, but also now the people you know that I work with, is is kindness and human connection. You know, whenever you can get that chance, and we have it every single day, to show a little bit of kindness and connect with someone in a way, the the impact that that can have on that person is huge and. And also the one of the biggest things I've learned is to, you know, we're always told this, never judge a book by its cover, but really never judge anyone be- until you fully, you know, can understand exactly what they're going through because the amount of clients that I've seen that you would look from the outside and have, you know, a certain opinion about them, but then you hear their story and where they're coming from and your entire perspective changes. But you know, not everyone's a therapist and not everyone gets to understand their full story. So just kindness and and wherever you can, trying not to pass judgments on people is is so important because everyone is going through something and everyone deserves kindness. And so I think if, you know, if we could all just be a little bit more kind to one another, the impact that that would have globally is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Talking my language, sweetheart. I love it. (laughs) Absolutely love it. Just as we come to a close of this precious conversation, what is one of your favorite quotes at the moment that you are really embracing or something that really means something to you at the moment? I find it's a really beautiful thing to share and there's no accidents with what each of my guests shares. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the one that I'm sort of, um, you know, really gelling with at the moment is a Mark Twain uh, uh, quote that is, you know, there's the two most important days in your life are the day uh, you're born and the day you realize why. And I truly believe that everyone has a purpose, um, you know, on on this earth and and that if we live our life in, you know, in alignment with that purpose, we really can't go too far wrong. So, yeah, I think that's probably my favourite, my favourite quote at the moment. Pretty good, right? Yeah. (laughs) And if people wanted to follow you and even work with you, how can we find out more about Lily Hay? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my Instagram is is where a lot of people connect with me, um, which is Hypnosis by Lily. Uh, the same with Facebook and then website is hypnosisbylily.com.au and you can read a little bit more there and see testimonials and, and all that um, all that good stuff and, and you can always send me a message from there too. But, yeah, just, just send me a message and, you know, I get back to all, all DMs and all everything. So if you just want to hear a little bit more, I'm, I'm always happy to do that. So could you just spell it for us because Lily is not how – yeah, you might think it's spelled. So spell us your website. Yep. So hypnosis by L I dot com dot au. Thank you. I will make sure that that's all in the notes, beautiful. And I'm really excited to share you with the world and this beautiful audience that I'm sure have have clung to every word. It's been very profound and insightful. Is there a final message, my love, that you would love to bestow on the listeners of the Self Love Podcast? Yeah, I think my my final message would be that if if you're going through something. Um, or you know someone that's going through something, to know that 
there is help out there and there is a solution for you that will work for you and, and to never give up um, and that there are people that are desperately wanting to help you and that you are worth it. You are absolutely 1,000% worth the help. Um, yeah, so just never give up. <laughs> Lily Hay, what an absolute treat. What an honour to speak to you and to share you. I want to thank you and I want to encourage you to continue this amazing line of work that you're doing. And I just want to thank you for being so open, vulnerable, real and authentic. I think, as you say, kindness is one of the greatest gifts that we can bestow on this planet and your heart oozes it. Thank you, beautiful girl. Thank you so much for having me. It's been been amazing chatting with you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.